Hello, friends and folks, and one final time, welcome to Scanmine Media's 2023 Gimmick Awards. We're here to talk about the experiences we've had in 2023. I'm Six Detmar. I'm Jennifer Uncle. I'm Kyrie Page, and we're so close. We're so close. We just, we almost are here. Well, we are here now. Yeah, it's 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 best game. That's what we're here to do. <sighs> so we've done this differently different years. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like last year we just did it the same as every other category where we had one winner and two runners up. Uh, do you want to do that again? That's... Do you want to just really be brutal knives out? Yeah. No, <laughs> Fuck uh, it. No relation? Glass onion? Uh, sure. All right. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, this is... This is the time to do it, I guess. I mean, listen, I don't even see three games that are worth being in the top anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, you, year after year, your response to Game of the Year is always like, eh, who the fuck cares? Occasionally, occasionally, I come in and I'm like, god damn. But it is like, you know, like a one in four chance. <laughs> it is really I funny, though. Like, if you think about, like the narrative surrounding 2023 it's like oh this is one of the best years for games and it's like i don't know there's some pretty good titles but i mean it's a bunch of it's a bunch of like triple a losers saying that shit right it's a bunch of people saying like oh man spider-man 2 fixed my marriage spider-man 2 is not on our list bro i'm happy for you and also you know for your spouse good work good but work we don't fucking care. Miles Morales himself, like, officiated their ceremony, clearly. Miles Midralis. Damn. <laughs> uh, Jen, can you read our list, please? Sure thing. So the nominees for best game are The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, Paranormal Sight, The Seven Mysteries of Hanjo, Street Fighter VI, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Pizza Tower, Lunacid, Master Detective Archives Raincode, Wild Frost, Armored Core 6 Fires of Rubicon, The Making of Karataka, El Paso Elsewhere, Alan Wake 2, Void Stranger, Pokemon Unite, Super Mario RPG, and Gravity Circuit. All right. Now, as we all know, especially in Best Game, it is tradition to nominate things that you don't think have a fucking chance and you just want to say their name, right? Let's go through a few of those. Let's go through yeah. a couple of them. Yeah. Time to go, Zelda. Absolutely. Yep. You know what? Great first pick. Great first, Great first pick. cut. Yes. Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is massively inferior to Breath of the Wild. Turns out that still makes you a really good game. Yeah. But not yeah. game of the year. It's like, to be clear, Tears of the Kingdom is still like one of the best games you could have played in 2023. Like, by just the nature of it being built on such a solid foundation, but, like, goddamn Breath of the Wild. Like, Breath of the Wild inspired so much in me, mm -hmm. and what it, like, how much I put into that game, and it was just so weird to play Tears of the Kingdom and be like, oh, you know, it just made me want to go back to just play Breath of the Wild. It's like the Riku, they put bugs in him voice. Like, they put Ubisoft in him. Like, this is their solution to a sequel to, to Breath of the Wild, is, like, to make it an Ubisoft checklist. 
Great. Good job. Good job, guys. Also to make it Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, which listen, if you like that game, that's fine. And I don't I don't hate that game. That's just not what I want a fucking Zelda to be. God damn it. Remember it was um, just so cool to just like just just rock around that world for the first time. Uh did you mean drive and then your batteries run out and you just sit still while you wait for your batteries to recharge? Oh yeah, I totally love that. Obviously. Ah. Uh, okay. So Zelda's gone. Uh another easy cut. Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Listen. The fact that I'm mentioning a Star Wars game in Best Game is a hell of a compliment. Yeah, it's really fucking good. Uh, I ha- I played like a few hours of it and had a- had a blast. Yeah, it's a cool game. I will play more. It is not the best game of the year. But, good job. And also, compared to Jedi Sur- uh, or not Jedi Sur- uh, Fallen Order, mm-hmm. incredible job. What was it that made um, this one stand out? That's fun. They didn't really know how to do that before. Um, <laughs> no, no, I know what you mean. Um, I think the different like combat styles and stuff are more interesting. I think the level design is more compelling. I think the combat is better tuned. And I think the characters are way more interesting. Even though it's the same characters, they're doing more interesting things with them. Mm-hmm. They, in terms of the levels, they also just had really smart ideas about what hazards could be like. Like there's one where you're constantly having to find the high ground because there's this deadly microbial thing near the bottom that can get you if you stay in it for too long or like uh there's this desert level where there's this massive fucking beast that will just be stalking the sands and you have to basically play the floor as lava to keep away from it mm-hmm yeah they have some they have some fun gimmicks there's also i uh I think I last left off having gotten through an area where, like, the the deal is that the wind is, like, incredibly intense, and you have to, like, redirect the wind to help it make you make jumps you otherwise couldn't, or, you know, like, redirect you and stuff. It's neat. Um, Pokemon Unite. Uh, it is Pokemon Dota, but, like, Really fun. Pokemon Unite's really cool. People should try... More More people should play Pokemon Unite. But, you know, listen, we're talking about best game here. What was it about Pokemon Unite that spoke to you in 2023? A big part of it is it became the game that I just play with my uh, my big sister, Emily. Mm-hmm. Um, she and I used to play Dota 2 together. Um, and that was back when her life was in a very different place, right? And that was a possible thing. Even then, she didn't play a ton of Dota 2, and she always felt like she was, like, lagging behind. I was like, I mean, who fucking cares? We're just hanging out. But, you know, I understand. Um, And for a long time, it was like, okay, well, we don't, you know, she doesn't feel like she has time to do that anymore, and we just didn't really play games together for a long time. And then Pokemon Unite came, and it was this game that's like, oh, this is, like, a really, like, light, digestible, but still very skill-based version of what we liked about that. It's about Pokemon, which we both like. And I think they have done some really smart things, especially this year mm. with like Pokemon kits and stuff that are really interesting. You know, I mentioned like Mega Mewtwo, for instance, um, in best action toolkit in that category. Uh, they've had some, they've had some really fun ideas. Um, in 2024 already, we've had uh, Gyarados, who of course starts out as Magikarp, who's 
complete dog shit until it evolves into Gyarados. And that's a fun dynamic. That is fun. But yeah, just a just a well-made fun game. I like I fundamentally like the design of MOBAs and the the two things that re- well, okay, the things that really bum me out about it. One, games are too long. Pokemon Unite has a hard 10-minute timer, 5 minutes if you do a quick match. Mm. Two, I don't I think it's interesting, but I do eventually find it off-putting how ridiculously complex builds can be. Like it's cool in Dota how complex a build can be. But I don't keep up with that game anymore. I can't do that. Pokemon, the builds are pretty straightforward. And then finally, toxicity. That's Pokemon. They can't talk to you directly anyway. It's fine. It's not that toxic. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard stories from you before about how you felt like uh, one of your teammates was purposefully throwing things or just like acting weird. Sure. I mean, I think for the most part, the thing you run into is you're like, oh, I am literally playing with a child right now. Like, this, this, like, Lucario is walking into a blender over and over. Buddy, are you okay? <laughs> um, but it's like, eh, you know, I mean, they can't say anything. People can throw games, but people can throw games in anything, right? I've mm-hmm. played Street Fighter and run into dickheads. That's just, that's just online. That's just mm. the nature of the beast sometimes. Indeed. Uh, more easy cuts. Well, we're getting into stuff that I didn't add, so I guess I can't say that anymore. Um, I think we might want to cut Super Mario RPG. Um, I based did, on w- yeah, I I put it on this list because I I eventually came around on that game. Um, when we last talked about it, I was pretty down on it. Um, and I still kind of am but i still managed to beat it um and i still enjoyed myself and i felt that it's post game like bosses were an interesting wrinkle to the formula like it was weird to play a mario rpg game where the battle is actually really difficult um mm. for example there's a booster refight um that you do where he has like a train that he can build that if he does it's a it's a um tpk like instantly with no way to block it and you have to like figure out how to keep the snippets from you know encouraging him to build faster and then like i i eventually found a strategy that beat it and it was like really fun to like really dig into the game's mechanics and like, find a way around this really tough fight. Um, and it's still really well made, but it's not the best game of the year. Um, but I am st- and it, still enjoyed it. Go ahead. And also, it's a weird fit. Like, not like, you know, I, I think it fits in a lot of other categories, but in best game, it's really weird to be like, hey, they put out that game from when I was 10 again. You know, it's like, oh, I don't know about best game for a remake, you know? Yeah. If you haven't played it before, you know, that's a thing, but I think we have, so. Yeah, I would still recommend people play that original Super Nintendo version, because it's fine. You can just play it. <laughs> um, But this game is pretty good, too. Um, yeah, you can play it on anything. No, you can only play it on Switch. I meant Super Mario RPG for the SNES. Ah. I mean, you can play it on the SNES. That's right. And the SNES Classic. I don't think it's possible to play it anywhere else. 
All right, this list is looking a little more serious now. Uh, do we want our first, like, serious cut? Our first, like, six coming out with the knives? Sure. Go for it. We're cutting Street Fighter Six. Wow. Okay. <laughs> How come? It is not even our favorite fighter that came out in 2023. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean... It's still it really is... good. Um, I, I'm really glad that they brought Street Fighter back after five. They managed to salvage the series. I think the new entries on the roster are pretty cool, though some of them, like Jamie, are are underbaked, right? Yeah, and one of them is like, wow, I thought we were over the whole racist thing after Street Fighter 2, but no, you just added a new stereotype. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I can't believe you thought they were over the racist thing. That's just, that's Street Fighter's thing. It's racism. Um, The story mode is fun until it intensely isn't. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know about y'all. I still think, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's better than it's been. Street Fighter input code still pisses me the fuck off. I'm not technical enough to either know what input code is or probably notice it, but uh, it's, it's I'll... every time like six, like accidentally inputted a super, like when we were playing like, Oh, Input code is basically the code that the game runs to determine whether or not what in, like what move you get, and it was, it sounded very intensely frustrating. It's it's frustrating for me because I mean I will I will be the first to admit I don't have the world's cleanest inputs, but like this is not a problem for me in other fighting games. It is in Street Fighter Five and Street Fighter Six. Street Fighter Four, not really, but that's I'm a little more comfortable in Four, where there's a thing. There's the input buffer, right? And what that is is how long of a memory does the game have, right? Mm-hmm. If a move is a double quarter circle and then punch, how long does it remember the first quarter circle for, right? If you do a quarter circle, wait, and then do a quarter circle and then punch, do you get the super or do you get the special? In Street Fighter Six. Jesus Christ, it has the memory of the ancients. <laughs> uh. Just gives me the super every fucking time. And I'm like, please, I just... All my combos use quarter circle moves. I don't have a choice here. Can you just let me... Okay, I guess I'm doing a random level one again. For me, Street Fighter Six was a nice balance of in-depth mechanics and also just like a level of simplicity, not even through, like, modern controls, just... I feel like whenever I'm hitting a button, I know exactly what it's going to do and exactly what I'm going to get out of it, and mm-hmm. I'm still having trouble getting to that point with other fighting games, but, uh... Out yeah. of curiosity, are you? do you feel like you're almost there with Grand Blue or not yet? I feel like I'm getting there with Grand Blue. Fair enough. I mm. still don't have that, like, uh, perfect parry down, but, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we can cut it? There's And there's other yeah. things that I would cut Street Fighter Six for, um, but it sounds like we're going to just go ahead and let it go. I mean, we're going to cut a lot of things. This list 
started with 16 items. We've cut four things, which means we have 12. We have nine more to cut. Mm -hmm. A lot of things are going to die today. So to put this on the table, because there is a degree to which this can start to feel like someone's going after you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are two games left on this list that I have put on. If someone thinks, if, if either of you want to make the argument that we should cut Armored Core 6 Fires of Rubicon or El Paso elsewhere, we should do that. Beyond that, I have to attack other people's stuff because that's all that's left. Yeah, I, I kind of want to leave those two for now. Um, I'll go ahead and do a self-cut. Um, Master Detective Archives Ring Code, fantastic mystery. Um, it also just has a lot of Kodaka's writing quirks that turn a whole lot of other people off, and it also just, it doesn't run well on the Switch, and that's the only place it currently is. Like, uh, So it just it, doesn't run well, period, then. Yeah. <laughs> kind of runs like shit, but uh, I, I do like the game quite a bit, but uh, I know 6 in particular, you'll get really irritated by at least one character who is just total horndog. Yeah, Kodaka has a way of writing. Like, you know, I I deal with a lot of anime and anime games. I'm used to, here's a horny character. But, I mean, there's a certain school of horny character that Kodaka likes to subscribe to. So do some other uh, works. Usually works that are, like, intensely cheesecake like to subscribe to this. Mm -hmm. Where it's, like, the one who's like, please, God, call me a slut. It's my favorite thing in the world. And it's like, okay, I don't need to be here for this. I would like to be elsewhere now. Anyway, it's a cut. I don't need to rag on it. I also, I d haven't seen it. I just am worried. <laughs> yeah. I do but. think it's a very good game. Just you have to go in knowing what you're getting. Um, I'll go ahead and also offer a cut. Um, okay. I was the only one who really played Wild Frost. and uh, I played a little. Played a little bit. Yeah. I, I still like that game. I think its difficulty curve is kind of nonsense, but they have done a lot of interesting things to that game to, like, when you beat, like, bosses on a run, you now have more options of power-ups, basically, that you can get. Mm. Um, it changed the game a little bit, and I still felt like I still had a really good time playing that game. Um, I think it aesthetically is quite nice. It's music is good and just generally was just a good game to just play when I needed to not turn my brain off, but just kind of like when I had time I wanted to spend with a game, Wild Frost was that for me in 2023. Um, mm -hmm. I think that, but I did find it frustrating how limited I found the card pools to be. I like that you had the three different tribes that you could choose from at the beginning of the game now to determine, like, what your starting character is going to be. But the card pools just stopped being surprising after a while. And that's kind of where you don't want to be in a card game. Um, uh -huh. is that like you don't want to run out of surprises too quick, I guess. Um, 
but still it's a well-designed uh fun card game um i think people should check it out but even on the things that i added to this list i don't think it's in the three top three you know fair enough yeah i i didn't spend a ton of time with it so this is not the most like you know considered thoughts in the world i'm not a big roguelike deck builder guy um and i was like you know this seems well made it's charming enough it's not really hooking me in any way Mm -hmm. Mm. so but i certainly i you know in in my brief time with it there wasn't a thing where i was like oh this i was just like "Eh, you know okay all right sure um, which for a genre I don't care for is a decent compliment or I intend it to be in one anyway. You know, you can take it how you will. Despite what I said, I think it's time to cut El Paso elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I, I think the performance behind the main character, James Savage is fantastic. Um, music is really great too. Most of which he ended up, um, rapping or composing himself and uh i'm i'm bummed i forgot to put it on our our best music category for vocal uh i don't know if it would have won but i would have at least wanted to discuss it mm-hmm. i messed up but yeah the i feel like the game's biggest achilles heel is that a it goes on for a little too long and b um it gives you all these max pain bullet time dodges and uh different abilities like that and none of the enemies require that. They all just run at you in a straight line. And like, I mean, there are the like the casters, but true, there are like spell casters who have ranged attacks. But yeah, it is it is a rarity in this game to have a reason to not just like walk backwards while shooting. Yeah, and there's only like I'd say eighty percent of the enemies you face are also like. They don't have any sort of ranged ability whatsoever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I do really like it is it is a it is a case where I'm like, is it in my three like the three games I played this year that I have the most respect for? Yes, it is. I just think that in in <laughs> you know, it, it, longtime listeners will know when it comes to best game, I suddenly have some really strict standards and some things that will instantly disqualify you. And thinking that the gameplay is just all right is one of those things. Yeah. For me, it was a little lower than all right, just because I had several game-breaking books, and like, to mm. Zlavier's credit, he did fix them immediately when I tweeted about them, but... uh it is also a situation where I just found I just got stuck on these rough edges that uh, I wish were sanded down a bit more. That's fair. People should play it though. Really cool game. Yeah. So there are some games that I was able to poke at. I um, you added Gravity Circuit, I believe, like either this morning or last night. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was going to be on here so i didn't get to touch that otherwise um i haven't played any paranormal site i haven't played any making of karatika though i've of course played karatika i haven't played any alan wake 2 um but of the games that i have played on here still armored core 6 pizza tower lunacid void stranger 
some of them in my very limited time did I feel like I got them, and some of them I don't think I did. Mm. So, like... I got enough to see the form of what Lunacid was doing. I don't feel like I... Like, there are other games on here that I played, and I don't feel the same way as as the person who nominated it, but I understand why it's on this list. Lunacid, I didn't see it yet. And so I, I feel like... And not like like I didn't see it like... it like i don't get it it's like i don't think i reached it what is what is the thing with lunacid i think the thing that is really <sighs> lunacid is a game that so i i don't typically like the games of from software um mm-hmm. and this is a like riff on the kingsfield games and I, this game is making me realize, oh, maybe I would actually like those games a lot because I think the thing that is special about Lunacid is that it is, one, it's doing its own thing, to be clear. Like, you are basically this, like, you create a character who has fallen down into these depths and you're told to just basically figure it out. And... The thing about Lunacid is that it's slow and deliberate and has just, like, a really impeccable vibe to it. I, it's one of those things that, like, when I am playing it, gosh, I got to a point in this game where I was just, like, I was, um, a low health and I had made some decent progress, like finding some artifacts and gotten experience, right? But to cash them mm-hmm. out, you have to go to these crystals. And I just found at one point this like blood red sea under this un- in these depths, and in the distance was this massive shadow creature that was not scary, but it was kind of beautiful. And when I-, I was playing it on a like. Um, streaming it for some friends on another server who uh, a friend of mine she really loves this game was like just just don't mess with them you'll be fine but don't mess with it (laughs) and there's so much to this game about like it has this mystery and it has this like surprise to it that I just felt that like Lunacid is a game that is it's I'm having a hard time describing I'm having a hard time finding the words because I don't think it necessarily does any one thing particularly well but it's definitely a game that is greater than the sum of its own like parts like the way the music interacts with like the way you go into different sections and just how that gives it each section like its own vibe and at one point there was I was trying to get this ritual dagger out of these crypts and you know you pass by these bodies and then they slowly rise up and it's not horrifying but it's just a, just enough to make you like think about oh there's so much more to what is going on here that I can anticipate and you just have to roll with it and Lunacid like definitely sparks my imagination I guess 
Like, I really enjoyed my time with it. I obviously spent much less time with it. Uh, I think one of the things that, in in the part that I got to play, um, didn't connect with me as much as I felt like the gameplay itself, like, even compared to Kingsfield, was really pretty basic. Um Kingsfield like actually has a surprising number of mechanics and and things you, you can do and mm-hmm. you know things to tinker with. Um, Lunacid seemed like it had a really straightforward and simple like set of stats and and moves. Does that match up with your experience? It does, but I think that plays into how like I'm not one for these types of games, and I appreciated the simplicity there to mm-hmm. allow me to like I can. Like, when I play a Souls game, for example, it's sort of, like, it's meant to be cryptic. It's meant to be, like, how am I building this character? What am I supposed to be doing here? And I appreciate that Lunacid just kind of takes the time to tell you one of these things of, like, okay, this thing increases your walk speed. That's all you really need to know, like, here. And I felt that, like that simplicity allowed me to buy into the game a little easier and Mm. again making me interested in other games of this style because like i found it just so compelling and i felt like the dialogue like did you run into any npcs that you could speak with oh yeah i made it to sanctuary yeah like, you have this small sanctuary um, that you can talk to a bunch of different characters, and I felt that, like, I don't know, I, I think about, like, the work from the, I forget who made this game off the top of my head. It's the same people that did, of all things, Spooky's House of Jump Scares. Um, sure. And here it just felt like, you know, like I liked talking to the individual NPCs because of the way they were written was interesting to me. And just like the skeleton at the bar who will just like ask you if he's told you a story before and he doesn't mind when you say you've heard it already. Um It's a it's a fun thing I think about it that I, I appreciate and it's different to from software in a way that I, I do enjoy. Mm-hmm. From Software it, uh, has a certain vibe and atmosphere in its world, and it doesn't really ever want to let you get away from that. Even when you're with NPCs, you know, everyone has that, you know, like, will do their fucking impression, you know, like the, like, oh, you've met with a terrible fate, haven't oh, you? Oh, you're a <laughs> fucked up little man, aren't you? <laughs> like, we all know what FromSoft NPCs are like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that is extremely not what Lunacid NPCs are like. And Lunacid NPCs are like, like, hey, friend. It seems like you're having a rough time out there. Do you want to, like, take a breather? Like, the world kind of sucks, but, you know, we've got each other, and that's cool. Like, and, and like, when I first went to Sanctuary, I was like, this, this like, uh, this little, like, like demon lady mm-hmm. who, like, lets you warp there. I'm like, you are being so nice, this must be a trap. But, like, oh, whatever. If that's a trap, then I'll see what the trap is. I'm like, no. Weird. There's just a bunch of really nice people who are just making it, you know, making it work in the middle of this hellhole. And it's very charming. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like charmed on that front. And like, like you said, the, the combat is not the most complex in the world. Um, but I do find that 
I felt that like once I started getting spells and how I used my spell slots like were interesting. Like I went back down into like the crypt um to find like an alternate exit. I found this spell, which was like a fairy light, and that was like an interesting choice I had to make where it's like, okay, there are other light sources, but there are still patches of darkness that I would have to pass through, and I could use this fairy light, but it drains my mana, and it's like, it's very simple decision making, but it, like I said, it allowed me to like get to the interesting part of those types of games of making those decisions in the first place without having to decode how cryptic it can be. Mm -hmm. I will say that from soft games, I mean, like there are cryptic parts of them anymore. There's not really a cryptic mechanical part of from soft games for, for a while now. Mm -hmm. I think since, since like, you know, PS4 generation onwards, it's like, yeah, no, they'll, they'll tell you everything you need to know. It's just, uh, you know, parts of the world don't necessarily make sense, which I think is the same for, for Lunacid as well. So less of a problem these days. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel very strongly about Lunacid. Okay. All right. At this point, I'm okay cutting the making of Karatika. I think it is a very special thing. Like, uh, it's basically taking the Atari 50 situation and uh, applying it to a single game to such a degree that uh, you find out so much about uh, Jordan Mechner and... Uh, the way that he filmed most of the animations uh, with his uh, dad and sister and then, like, rotoscoped over it. Um, you've got opportunities to, like, look at each individual frame and compare it to the drawing and compare it to the final graphic. And uh, If I may, Jen. Um, yeah. The thing that's really... So, a lot of this stuff around the making of Karataka is, like... That's, like, interesting trivia, but I feel like the way, the thing that's special about the game itself is in the way that it is basically an interactive, like, it has been talked about as, like, an interactive coffee table book, right? Where this is meant to be a way to, like, really understand what that game is, and I think that the thing that's really special about the making of Karataka is that it would be very easy for them to just, and they've done this, you know, like companies have done this before. They just release the classic game onto like a storefront, right? Here it's mm -hmm. like, oh, here is like a timeline of Jordan Mechner initially trying to sell this game in which you are like firing at little orbs in space and how the rejection letter that he got from like Brunabund um, over and over inspired him to like change his tactic and like work on a new game. And he worked on it with his dad. Who's like this incredible pianist who had so much consideration for like the theme of this game and then like just there's this video in the game about like Jordan Mechner and his father talking about like well okay the the Apple II can basically make these different tones what kind of song can you compose from these tones right and I think what is really cool is 
I wouldn't have had that appreciation for that aspect or almost any aspect of Karataka without like the context that the making of provides to it and then lets you play Karataka, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's cool to see digital eclipse, like offer their own version as well and do certain things like it, it even acknowledges certain faults with Karataka specifically, like how the cover is, uh, basically a white hero saving a white princess from an evil Asian man. And, uh, but they revi- digital eclipse revisits that cover design and uh more or less changes it for the better as well as uh, other mechanics and things like that but uh yeah I-, I think it gives you a really it gives you a real appreciation for this game and what went into it to make it i i don't know i feel like a part of me thinks it should win I, huh. I I think it's I top think, three easily. I think what they've achieved here and like the the like I wanna believe that this will be a milestone of how we can do like you know, like sort of like not you know, the video game equivalent of a documentary, right? Mm-hmm. But like the thing is I don't know if anyone also well worked this hard on it, right? Like part of what is so remarkable is like this should be something that is like a a sea change in how we do this i think it's too well made and no one will match this <laughs> they're working on in their next one their next in their gold label series is um who is it um it's a guy who made tempest um oh sure yes jeff minter jeff minter it's about his body of work and i think the thing that's like i mean i think the making of karateka is just like as i was saying before it's very easy for these companies to just you know just re-release the game here it's like like by scouring through all these like materials and presenting them in a really fascinating way like it is game as documentary as coffee table book while you could still play karateka in like multiple versions of karateka as well and it's more than just like, oh, I want to play the Apple II version or I want to play this more modern version. It's like, no, since we have provided you with the details and provided you with, you know, so much, like, how much care and effort went into this game, you can understand Karataka. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not ready to see it go. Okay. This is the second podcasts in a row when I where I thought it would be an easy cut for six and six is like oh I really like that actually <laughs> I it's sick um I I have some easy cuts though like let, let me okay. let me get through uh some of these um we can cut gravity circuit I just really wanted to shout that out because like I it was gosh it was just like a really fun riff on Mega Man X which is one of my favorite games, but I felt that it was just like, it was a good version of that style of game. And it has just really dope music, really fun to play. Giving Mega Man a grapple hook is like, I love that. Like Capcom has done that before in Mega Man Zero. Um, One of your moves is a grapple hook. Um, But here it's like really well considered 
and it's just fun to move Kai around and and fight enemies. Like it's just it's just purely a game that I really enjoyed. And also I accidentally made way harder for myself because I didn't use any help for special upgrades, but I did get an achievement for it. Um I wasn't trying for it, but I got it. Um but now I think Gravity Circuit is just a lot of fun and it has a lot of like really great quality of life features as well and also a really good speed run mode and it's just it's clearly a labor of love and I wanted to shout it out. Mhm. Okay, I respect that. Yeah. Um The thing is, right? Mhm. Mm-hmm. Like Jen, I don't really care for Sokoban games. I was also going to offer Void Stranger as next. I really liked (laughs) Void Stranger, but if you do not like Sokoban games, like, you're going to bounce off this super hard. Um, I think that... I think it is a... It's really cool. I really enjoyed how how much it made me want to how much it made me want to play it, which is like a weird thing to say where I have this problem where I can have sometimes a perfectionist streak and it's like the game just like has a way of getting me past that. I think that its puzzles are extremely well designed. Um There is nothing better, to me anyway, of just, like, sitting at a puzzle room and thinking about it for several minutes, you know, running into a brick wall until you finally make the move that, you know, grants you some understanding of how the puzzle is supposed to be approached and getting to the next floor. Especially with, like, how you can give yourself basically self-imposed challenges and also the memories that you can pick up in the game. Like, I think it's really special, but it doesn't have to, like, it can go because if you do not like, you know, block-pushing games, you're not going to necessarily vibe with this. Yeah, I, um, I didn't have a lot of time. There's, there's a bit of, like, me trying to crunch a bunch of these to have opinions, right? Um, I got to the first, you know, tree, the first save. Um, I know enough to know that there are a lot of surprises waiting for me. And so it's something I want to go back to, to see more, to understand better. But it is also true that I wasn't really having fun. (laughs) Yeah. For me, one of the things Void Stranger did was made me realize, oh, they did something very similar with a shmup they released a few years ago, and I am much better at shmups than I am at Sokoban, so I might give that one a try instead. Hmm. What's the shmup? Um, I don't have the name with me. I can look it up, though. Oh, Zero Ranger. Sure. Yes, Zero Ranger. That's it. Sure. I've heard very good things about Zero Ranger. Mm-hmm. I also don't like schmutz. <laughs> <laughs> what, do, okay. what do we have left? For the for the listener's sake, 
We're about 45 minutes in. What mm-hmm. is what we're is down that? to six at this point? Uh, hi, that's my name. Uh, oh, we have Paranormicide, the Seven Mysteries of Hanjo. We have Pizza Tower. We have Lunacid. We have Armored Core Six, Fires of Rubicon. We have The Making of Karotica, and we have Alan Wake Two. Um, obviously, the ones we haven't talked about are because we think someone feels very strongly about them, and we are hesitant to poke the bear. Uh, um, hit show on Netflix, I hear. I'll go ahead and talk about Paranormal Site because it might be something that we need to cut. Um, it's really special to see a visual novel creator that's been doing it for decades come back and make this particular kind of uh, interesting situation where it's marketed as a horror game and there are horror elements, but uh, it's very much a heartwarming, occasionally very funny, and also just sad adventure that brings a bunch of people within the city of Hanjo together. And uh, it made me think uh, outside the box through all the different mechanics that I was using, like turning down the voice volume to get past a curse, or uh, in one case, like you end up switching between chapters and particular protagonists to have one thing affect the other or get information from one protagonist that informs what you can do with the other one. But uh, also towards the end, some of those get so obtuse that uh, you might either need to look at a walkthrough or just bang your head against it for 40 to 50 minutes before you go, oh, yes, adventure games. I know what I'm doing now. Okay. Um, I mean, I meant to meant to play like the other thing is though I feel I meant to play some of this. I felt like I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gotten a much of an understanding in thirty minutes. Um, yeah. I uh, I do need to spend some time with this. I'm you know not to we have a long list, so I'm not trying to I'm not trying to you know make any false promises. Possible novel, not new game. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would love that. Um. But I, I do think even if I ha- like, I, I bet I'll have a good time with it. It is just generally not as much my style of game. And so I want, I, I feel like it maybe is a good cut here. Yeah, totally. Okay, we can cut Pizza Tower. Um, Here's the thing is I hate the art style. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> It is, I think, a couple of things. One, we have given Pizza Tower, I think, it's due to a certain degree. Um, mm-hmm. With its, like, win previously in um, best, like, um, toolkit. And I think the thing that's just really special about Pizza Tower is how committed to its own bit it is, while also just being... This really mechanically fun and interesting platformer game that is riffing on one of my favorite platformers I've ever played. Um, I have a very special connection to Wario Land 4. It was like my sister's favorite game, and we would play it together um, quite frequently. And not that that game is necessarily forgotten, but in terms of indie games making references to platformers of the past like 
I mean, we cut Gravity Circuit. That's just a riff on Mega Man X. I would have never imagined anybody would make this loving tribute to Wario Land 4, of all things. You know? Like, yeah. in the yeah. details. And, I don't know, the art style, like... <laughs> the, if the art style doesn't work for you, that's fine. I think it's kind of funny. Um, Like, I do love the animations of Pepino. Um, and just, like... You know, it says it's trying to replicate, like, cartoons or whatever, and it's like... I, I forget the specific I mean, style. Go ahead. It's doing, like, like edutainment games of the 90s, which I think is admirable to a certain extent. But, like, besides just not liking to look at it, which is true, I also genuinely find it hard to parse visually. Because, like, you have a lot of, like, oh, it's an orange thing on an orange background. Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, well, that's fucking hard for me to see. Yeah. It's one of yeah. those things where watching it being played at high levels, though, like, I've watched speedruns of it, and it looks amazing. That's part of the... I mean, it's not It's not part of the problem, isn't it? It's a thing that makes it bad. It's a part of a problem I have that... And this game seems fucking cool. Like, when I'm when I'm able to play... Like, I did play some, and when I was able to, like, get it a bit of a flow state for a little bit before being defeated by not knowing the level, which is okay, because that's kind of what this game mm -hmm. is. You re replay stuff. I was like, this feels fantastic. If I could understand what my eyes were seeing, I bet I would have a great time with this game. Hmm. But... Yeah, I, I played a little bit... I played a little bit of it myself, and uh, I... Definitely ran into some of the same issues Six had, and also just uh, the the controls for Pepino, and ostensibly for the free DLC character they added, uh, like last week. The noise. There, yeah, the noise. It, the controls are so exacting and require you to be on your shit in a way that uh, doesn't leave much room for error. And uh, I wish it was a bit more forgiving on that end. I'm okay with it not being forgiving. I just, you know, but that makes, like, it's one of those things where if you're going to demand precision from me, I'm going to demand precision from you. And I think mechanically it absolutely provides it, right? I'm, I'm again, talking about not being able to tell what I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. But pretty cool game. Now, do you all actually care about Armored Core 6? I think it's a pretty fantastic game from what I played. I I admittedly didn't get through all three playthroughs or even like my first playthrough, but uh I played a significant chunk of that first playthrough and uh I think it's done in a completely admirable job at uh taking this very complex game and not necessarily dumbing it down like not making it uh, less complex for people to dig into. They just approach it in a way that uh, makes it easier for people to parse and uh, encourages them to just give it another go when they completely eat shit to a really tough boss. Also, the setting of Rubicon is so fucking cool. Just this planet that has been ruined by attempting to extract this resource and uh just seeing the monolithic towers of steel hanging above you in the sky like it's its own city or construction area 
it's it's a stunning game. Kyrie, how do you feel about Armored Core? Let me... Hmm. I think it's... I don't know. I don't know. I I, I kind of bounced off of it. Um, mm-hmm. I appreciate that they... From Software made a new Armored Core in 2023. That's kind of like... I was... In some ways, I was more excited for what this game meant to my friends... Than necessarily to me because I don't have a history with Armored Core. Um, I did enjoy what I played of it. Um, I think, as Jen said, the setting is really cool. I think the characters are interesting, and I really found like it was approachable. Like the fact that I like I want. I want to play other armored cores now. Um, but I just felt like they executed on it just being on it being another armored core game, which is almost in and of itself remarkable because they had have easily fucked it up in so many other directions. It was still mission based, but they did kind of make it more of a souls like as far as like the way they paced out like checkpoints and health recovery and how all that works. Um, there are basically mid-mission bonfires in some missions, for instance. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I played more than anyone else here. And you would imagine I am the person here pushing for it. And like, of the games left, yeah, it's my favorite one. But I don't know if I'm enough of a fan of it. Like... I think the story is cool. I think the gameplay is cool. I think the style is cool. I think the setting is really interesting. I like the characters. I do think that I played almost entirely at launch. I haven't come back to it very much. Um, It's because it's been a busy year and there's been other stuff to do. Mm -hmm. Um, At launch, I don't know how much this has changed. I think the difficulty was kind of stupid. The difficulty spikes were not like... There is the feeling of overcoming... For example, that, you know, the stupid boss that killed everyone at the watch point, right? Mm. Um, but, like, sometimes when you overcome a boss in a in a FromSoft game, you're just like, yeah, I fucking did it. Fuck you. Ah. And you kind of have that moment on record 6, and then you have a beat, and you're like, but that was actually a bad boss, though. <laughs> um, yeah. I do think parts of this game are not fun in their difficulty. And then the other thing is, Armored Core 6 is taking the styles of Armored Core 2 and 3 and mixing them with the styles of Armored Core 4 and 5, right? As far as, like, gameplay pace and style. And that's kind of like mixing Wild Cherry Pepsi with Pepsi. Leave out the fucking Pepsi. Armored Core 4 is the best Armored Core. I don't need... Listen, I know it's blasphemy. I don't fucking care. 2 and 3 are slow and not that fun. I Of the people I hang out with that talk about Armored Core all the time, like, 4 is their favorite. <laughs> 4 is so sick! 
four and four provides like one of my favorite like videos on the internet of this grainy 240p footage of like a really high level team of Japanese players versus a high level team of like American players <laughs> like duking it out in multiplayer and that's crazy. I think Armored Core 6 is a better made game, but it's still not as good as Armored Core 4 Answer. Um, and so, like, again, yeah, of of the four we have left, do would I, like, if I was making this list, would I cut Armored Core 6? Of course not, it would win. But I'm, I don't know that I'm really willing to fight for it over the things left on here that people seem to have passion for. Yeah, for me, if it came between Armored Core 6 and uh, the one we haven't talked about yet, I would take the one we haven't talked about yet any day. Mm-hmm. Here you go. I, I, I have a lot more, like, passionate interest in, like, I think if the three, if, like, if we cut Armored Core 6, I think the three that we have are really good at representing like the high points of 2023 does that make sense and also if i may make this a personal narrative for a moment anytime we have a best game and a game like i didn't pick any of the nominees i feel like i'm appropriately expressing my disdain and i like that (laughs) (laughs) let's cut armored core six okay Our top three now are Lunacid, The Making of Karataka, and Alan Wake 2. Now, I think I know what wins. However, I would like to hear the argument for Alan Wake 2. Okay. Alan Wake 2 is perhaps the best game by a studio that has always made incredibly interesting third-person shooters to some degree. Like, uh, it's basically taking the first Alan Wake, which was more or less a campy third-person shooter along the lines of other third-person shooters at the time and being like, what if we really dialed into the horror here and took it closer to Resident Evil? And on top of all that, they have taken their mastery of FMV and computer graphics and mixed it in a way that is incredibly compelling and engrossing. Like, uh... There's just moments where you're playing either as Saga or Alan, where one of the worlds bleeds into the other, and the way it's layered within the environment is freaky in the best fucking way. It is incredibly impressive. And um, on top of all that, it feels like a statement more than anything else. Like, they went back to Bright Falls, they essentially took its identity and put a whole lot of Finnish culture into it. Almost every single band that plays during the interstitial moments or just the music in the game in general is a Finnish group. They have um, a short horror movie that is uh, (laughs) done entirely in Finnish and... uh, It feels like they are more or less with those elements and also the We Sing segment just standing up and saying 
this is who we are. This is how far we've come. And we have so we have so many other places we want to take you to. And uh just from beginning to end, I was enthralled by the whole thing. It's a fantastic game, a ripping narrative, and uh some of the best shooting they've done, I think, since Max Payne 2, <laughs> which yeah. uh, feels like damning with faint praise, but uh, I do think that by dropping the power-ups con from control and uh, Quantum Break was kind of mid overall, but like by focusing something closer to the scarcity of survival horror and uh, really making you think about every shot you're taking, it excels spectacularly it is kind of remarkable that alan wake 2 exists as a thing um mm -hmm. especially in the triple a space like it's yeah like what everything that i've heard about alan wake 2 is impressive from like a very a very storied studio, like being able to execute on basically being able to execute on their vision with basically no compromise. Like I, I, I don't know. If, like, yeah. Like Alan Wake two is a remarkable that it, it's a remarkable that it exists in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. They've been fighting to make this game for a decade, or a little bit longer even, and that even comes into the story itself in a way, because basically it goes into how Bright Falls and Alan Wake himself have been in this situation for over a decade, and it feels like you're both returning as a player and as someone witnessing the story, and it's... It's just really fucking cool. Here's the thing. I don't give a shit about the thing they're trying to make. Right? I think this is, like... I believe that for their goal, they have executed on it admirably. I think the setting of Alan Wake is stupid. I think Kenyan world building sucks. And I don't like horror. <laughs> <laughs> I think the old Gods of Asgard stuff in Alan Wake 1 and I don't I don't remember it being in their like American Nightmare um but like I thought that shit sucked. I think this whole like oh I'm a tortured artist and my uh, my pain of being an artist is so bad that it turns into literal demons. I don't care that it's a metaphor. It's still dumb. I I think they did a great job of crafting stuff, and I think a lot of parts of this game are obviously amazing, but fundamentally you are blowing out, like, Stephen King-style world-building, which I think is garbage. Yeah, I, I guess that's fair enough. For me, they they took things, like, they took the Stephen King direction from the first game and moved it something much closer to what you would see from more serious horror in general, but, uh, yeah, there's definitely some of that Stephen King cheesiness that they still cling on to, um, for mostly for better, but also occasionally for worse. And I can't really speak too much to how it's changed since the first one, right? Because I, I didn't play this game. Um, 
part of the thing is like when I play this game, maybe I'll have a good time. Maybe I'll get into it. But when I start playing the game, it will be out of obligation, not out of desire. I don't really want to play this game. Mm. Yeah. And looking at it from a larger perspective, the making of Karataka is also like the start of a trend that uh, is very welcome and important in some ways, because if this keeps getting applied to other things like it is like it has been with Atari, like uh, it's going to be with Jeff Minter. Um, it's going to be revolutionary for the state of uh, video game history and just making these older games not only accessible to folks, but fun for younger people, younger generations to go in and try them out. Or at the very least, like, appreciate them for how, like... Like, how big of a deal, like, Karataka was a big deal for a good reason. And I think the making of Karataka, like, is able to present that case through, like, I don't know. I, I, I like, no disrespect to the video game museum in, um, God, where was it? They, unfortunately, they closed down, um, when COVID hit, um, and they were a great. It was a great place to go because you could play all these video games from all these different consoles. But like, you didn't really. It was just like kind of a fun place to go and hang out for an afternoon. Like it didn't necessarily provide me with an understanding of like the actual history of like games. You know, mm-hmm. here yeah. by being so laser focused on one game, being able to focus on, and luckily we still have like. Jordan Mechner is still around to do interviews for, right? And he mm-hmm. ha- kept all his notes, and we have all this stuff. We're able to, like, fully, like, it feels like the execution of what a museum piece for a game should be. And it should be a game that you play, you know? But also what a museum piece for any work of media should be, right? Like, pull up a criterion collection are they going to show you every cut of that movie are they going to show you like you know fucking like you know the the workings of every shot that they did the level of documentation and accessibility to that documentation in the making of karataka is to my admittedly limited knowledge unmatched in the planet absolutely like yeah and Part of that is because Jordan Mechner himself is just a crazy person. <laughs> Jordan Mechner is a crazy person, to be clear. Yeah, he he kept all of his journals from Karataka. He kept all of his journals when making the first Prince of Persia to the point where you can find out like what he was drinking at a certain point when he was thinking of something or just like in between a revolutionary mechanic that would go on to inspire platformers for decades. You just hear about like his recent uh his attempt to be- become a movie maker and how that falls through but, yeah. it's 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 a miraculous thing and i would be very proud of it as our game of the year yeah like it is one of those things that like could you imagine a like making of like of almost any other game right like, think about, like, the games that are important in video game history, right? 
like imagine mm-hmm. if they got even a sliver of the like care that like making a Karataka gives to Karataka, you know, like yeah. I I feel like I feel like it is e- like it being our game of the year like feels really good because I this should be done more like yeah. It makes me think about all the games I want this for. Like, uh, I'd give anything for Digital Eclipse to just break down Square Enix's door and be like, we're doing this for Portopia. You gotta let us do this for Portopia. Because that is one of the most important games of all time, and almost no one in the West has played it. Uh-huh. Do this for, I mean, do this for Doom. Do this for all, you know, all sorts God, of games where it's just like... The making of yeah. Doom would go so crazy. <laughs> It would go. It would go hard. <laughs> yeah, I I think the making of Karataka is our game of the year for sure. Yeah. Uh, with runners up, Lunacid and Alan Wake Two. Lunacid, I really didn't think you could do it. Good job, man. <laughs> Lunacid is just really cool. I love that game. But I, the making of Karataka is an excellent choice, and really, uh, like, play the making of Karataka, please. <laughs> yeah, do whatever you can to make it financially viable, and also just, like, let them know we need more of this. Yeah. But... I think that's it for Scanline Media's 2023 Gimmick Awards. It's been uh, a long series of recordings to get to this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I uh, I am I am very proud of, of the awards, of, of what we've, you know, done and discussed. I think we've we've made a lot of very good decisions. I think we've talked about a lot of really great stuff. And I don't know. It's uh I'm I'm really happy journey. with yeah, the journey that we made like I'm really happy like with it. There were some tough cuts along the way. There were some but I think we always had like if nothing else like the conversation surrounding like each aspect of this award like there were some surprises that I really did not anticipate and that's a good thing, you know. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy with how it turned out this year and uh I was pleasantly surprised multiple times by the way y'all ended up uh being more open to some of the games I was bringing forward than I expected. I mean, I think if this list doesn't reflect you know the 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 passions of the three of us, in this case my uh I mean, you know, I have I have passion for the making of Karataka, obviously. I can't just pretend that this list reflects how much disdain I have. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a funny joke. But I think, like, the, our, the Gimmick Awards should reflect all of our passions, and ideally in every category. I know Best Fighting Toolkit was a lot for you, Jen, to, <laughs> to sit through Jen, every Jen's year. Jen's a trooper Jen's every like, year. I just don't care that much. I just don't care that much, guys. Um, it's, I'm getting there. 
yeah, you are, you are. And I think like, I want, I am, I am happy that I think in every category this year, everybody had a real impact on the outcome, right? No one bowled their way through. No one is like, there are categories where I think if you asked us, we would probably pick individually. We might pick a little differently. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what it means to form a consensus. Right. Right. But this is the best mediation of it we've probably ever done. I think so too. Like, I I think that the thing that I always appreciate about doing these awards is it gets us to be, it gets us to be honest and it gets us to, like, a point of appreciating, like, what was great about the year that we experienced, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's a collective thing, and it always had like, it should be. It shouldn't just be, you know, like you said, one person bulldozing the others. Like, I feel really good about the choices that we made and the cuts that we made, and just in general, I think we made some, like, really stellar lists, and I'm really hoping that people enjoy listening to us going at it as well. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I enjoy, uh, you know, in a year's time, enjoy the Kerbal Space Program to sweep. <laughs> I'll, I'll let I'll let Grand Blue have a couple just to be nice. But, you know, listen. All right. Well, we, we didn't do it on any of the other episodes, but this is the end. So let's go through the let's go through the roster. Kyrie, where can people find you and your work? On the internet. You can find my work on scanlinemedia.com, but if you want to follow me personally, you can follow me on Twitter, Kyrie A page on Twitter, and then no A for it's just Kyrie page on co-host. I'm gonna get back to posting on there as especially as I edit more things and putting up more clips. But yeah, Twitter and co-host are the places you'll find me. Alright. Jen, what about you? You can find me, um, at uh, JBU3 on Twitter and uh, Jen hyphen and hyphen Astro on co-host. I'm also Spooky Cute Witch over on Blue Sky, though I mostly do promotion there, not very much posting. Like, I, I think over time, most of my posting has migrated to either private Twitter or co-host, so co-host is probably the best place to be if you want me to just if you just want to see me post some non-promotional stuff too. Gotcha. Six, what about you? You can find me on Twitter and co-host at SixDetmar, S-I-X-D-E-T-T-M-A-R. And for all of us, uh, Kyrie already mentioned you can find us on ScanlineMedia.com. I suspect you have. That's probably how you're listening to this, but it's possible you just found us on RSS. Um, but also, uh, I, I feel this is a great time to say we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Media. We do a lot of work. A lot. Some of it is free. Some of it is not. Some of it's exclusive to Patreon. We have a, quite a few Patreon-exclusive shows. Mm-hmm. Free or not, none of it would... Well, very little of it would be possible without the support of our patrons. There was a time when it was just Jen and I like throwing up an article every now and then, and then, like, and then episodes of Bottle Crow would come out, right? There was a time before the Patreon... It was a much less ambitious and much less interesting place. And it is it is through the support of our patrons that we're able to do all the cool things we do now. And we are really grateful. And 
we wouldn't mind if you became one of them. Indeed. But until next time, folks, until a next podcast, the next awards, the next game. Peace out. See ya. Later. Later.